0: I have regrets. Everyone who's lived a great life has some regrets, but I I don't want to go back because I'm where I am right now. Even in those tough days and years and months, there's always good stuff. Hi, I'm Margot Potter, and you're entering A World Gone Good.
1: Hello, and welcome again to World Gone Good. My name's Steve and I am so happy you're here. If you enjoy the good here today, please subscribe, share, rate, write a review, or screw all that, just go enjoy some wine or chocolate or coffee. It's your life. I'm not the boss of you. I want to take a moment and give a good shout out to a few other podcasts I am a fan of, a good fan of. (laughs) First off, Enjoy the good of a bad movie with Cinema Craptaculous, where my friends Stephanie, Dave, and John review everything from Sharknados to Waterworlds to Showgirls. You will have a good laugh, that I can promise. And if you listen carefully, you might even hear me pop up on some of those episodes. I also want to give a good shit out. Shit out. I'm gonna give a shit out. How's that sound? I might leave that in because that's kind of funny, you guys. Oh fuck it, I'll leave it in. Um, I also. <laughs> I'm not editing this. I also want to give a good shout out to the Gold Digger Podcast. Host Jenna Kutcher shares tons of good tips and secrets for everything from personal to business matters. I listen to it on my morning run and it is so good. It's called the Gold Digger Podcast. Today on World Gone Good, we're getting crafty and creative literally Margot Potter is the impatient crafter, author of 50 and other F-words, and yes, she has bright pink hair. She's found the good in being creative. Let's start here. Margot Potter, how would you describe yourself if somebody asked for you to describe yourself, which I'm doing?
0: I don't even know. I'm I'm eclectic funky. I'm multi-pronged. I'm a, well, this, I always say I'm either a Jill of all trades or a Renaissance woman. It depends on which day you ask me. But then I found out the whole thing, the Jill of all trades. I always thought it was just, she's a Jill of all trades and a master of none. But what it is, is a Jill of all trades and a master of none and oftentimes better than a master of one.
1: What's the good in creativity? Because that's how I see you. I see you as a very creative person. Um, and, and, and I think you take pride in that. So wh- where's, what is the good in creativity?
0: Well, I, I like to distill it down to creativity is the opposite of destruction. So when we create, we're defying the destructive force. We're just standing and shouting into that and saying, no, I'm going to just put all of this juicy good stuff that's in me out into the world. But, but when you're doing that, you're creating a dialogue. I mean, creativity is a dialogue because you're dialoguing with all the other people in the world that have created all the other creative things in the world that are that just exist and it's this wonderful it's like a symphony I mean you're just you're in a dialogue with the world and when you create you're you're in a zone that's just good because you're making you happy and in the process you're making other people happy right I mean, even Uh, if you're making crap, like I always say, it doesn't matter what you make. It doesn't, it's great if you can be a master artist and make beautiful things, but it's also okay if you aren't really a master artist and the things you make are kind of shitty because first of all, the shit is the creative fertilizer for your crafty garden. And second of all, it's the act of creating that matters. It's just that channeling that force. And to me, like if there was a God, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in the force of compassion and kindness and I believe that creativity god to me is an is a verb it's the act of it's love in action and to me creativity is love in action.
1: Have you always been creative or did it come out? Yes.
0: Oh no, always. I mean my my mother's an artist, my father was creative, my I have a great aunt who she was a fine artist. She actually took a boat and went to Europe in the 19 I guess the 19 20s I don't I should know this time the time period but she um she studied with Picasso and hung out with Gertrude Stein and was part of that whole salon crowd I mean it just goes back generations of artists on both sides of my family my grandmother was a performer and an artist so like I have that that in me but I think everyone does I don't think creativity is something that's only a provenance of certain people I think everyone has a creative impulse and impetus and the more we can free people to believe that and to channel that and to let go of worrying about, oh, are people gonna like it? Is it gonna be good enough? Doesn't matter. Just do it. Just make things, create things, because it feels good and it's so much better than, you know, breaking things and destroying things and feeling negative.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've 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 said this before quite a few times, which is um it's important what you just said about the end result is that if I like something and I'm into something and then I question myself, like, well, would anybody else really like that? But then you're like, no. If I like it, then there's millions of other people who probably like it too. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of courage that comes with that. So where's the, what what is the, um, courage factor in being creative?
0: Mm, that's a good question. I think it's not caring. It's not caring about how it's received, and not caring about the 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 detritus of the act of creativity. It's just being willing to take the journey to go on the adventure and to you know throw on your fifth helmet and grab your trusty skive and go off the beaten path and and just explore to me that's powerful and it's transformative and the more we give ourselves permission to create without filters and to color outside of lines and not to worry about doing it right the better it is because the people who were great creative geniuses didn't give a crap if everybody liked it and most of the times that people didn't like it when they were doing it and then they died and everyone, Oh my God, they're brilliant.
1: <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> you know, they, they died a pen loose popper thinking that their life was useless and meaningless. And then, you know, and that's, maybe that's the great cosmic joke. I don't
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe sometimes you don't realize you're doing it when it's happening. And that's just the, you know, it's a very valid point you made. It's just having the fun of it yeah. and um, exploring that fun side to all of it, but you are also a human. So um, there's gotta be a certain amount of, um, not ego, but, um, not insecurity, but humanity to you that you're putting things out there and, and some, some fly and some don't.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of them don't. And, um, you know, and I guess I'm just brazen enough Maybe it's because I was the awkward, weird kid that nobody, you know, I didn't fit in and we moved a lot and I didn't have a lot of friends, spent a lot of time by myself making stuff and walking through the woods and reading books. And, you know, I just wasn't like the other kids. So when I was younger, uh, it, it was more important to me to fit in or to have people like me. And I found that when I discovered theater. I auditioned for a show. The first show I auditioned for, I wet my pants in the audition, that's a whole sad story. Yeah, and, and they made me the page turner for the organist out of pity. Uh, but the, <laughs> I know, it's the pee pee pants story. They were blue polyester bell bottoms and they had little tiny orange Aww. and green um, tulips like embroidered on them, this is the 70s. And I had sure. they had a matching shirt with a giant tulip on it. And I stood there and I had to pee so bad because you know, when you're nervous, you have to pee. And it was like just before it was my turn to go out and do the thing, I was like, oh shit, well, OP or whatever. And it just the floodgates opened <laughs> up. And it was oh. like I could walk away or I could just go like act like, you know, it's normal. So I auditioned and, you know, I, I guess that took some bravery. And the next year I auditioned, and I got the lead in the play. So from there, wow. Yeah, because I wasn't going to give up. I knew this is what I was supposed to do. I knew, like, performing and singing and acting and making and doing that—that's where my happiness was going to be. And then once I got on stage, and there was that crazy, wonderful exchange between the audience—you, know, that energy that happens. I mean, you know, you're you're in the performing arts when you're—it's—it's right. alive. It's the live experience that you don't necessarily get online. But it's just a beautiful exchange of energy. And to me, that's like the powerful thing, because it's not just you. It's you and and it's the writer and it's the director and it's the it's the set designer and it's the lighting person. It's all these people coming together. You're just the person who's in, you know, standing on stage. Your part is important, right. but you're not you're not the most important part. You're part of the whole. And that moment those moments when you're connecting with the audience and they're laughing or they're crying or that to me, that's like the power of art and creativity. And it's such a theater's so good because so many people are involved in the process. So it's extra, super juicy, good, creative stuff. And I mean, same thing for music. You know, I sang in bands, I had similar experiences there. And, you know, and now I have this weird craft career that was an accident. And that's been fulfilling. But yeah, I mean, like, people have to like what I do in terms of, you know, crafts in order for me to make money. And people have to like your performing when you're auditioning. And it's really awful to stand there and be, you know, do your monologue or sing a song and have the director just dismiss you. And I've been there. I auditioned for grad school. I went to Chicago and I had to audition for like every grad school in the country in two days. And it was just go to different hotel rooms and do your monologues and sing your songs. Really awkward and weird. And I went to, to audition for ACT, American Conservatory Theater, San Francisco. And I walked into the room and they were all eating lunch. And <laughs> they were just like, Okay. And I did my, you know, did my Shakespeare, and I did my Steve Martin monologue from his great play, and then I sang my song, and they just were like, okay, thanks. They literally didn't even look up from chewing their sandwiches, and that was pretty. And, you know, you have those, that that's painful. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the downside of the live experience is you get pretty much immediate feedback, where online you can kind of be buffered a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, but... Even if you bomb, to me, it's just like, you just keep going. I mean, I sang at the, <laughs> this is another terrible experience. I sang at the, um, what was it? The Mellon Jazz Festival in Philadelphia. I had done some cabaret with the artistic director of the Prince Theater in Philly. When I first moved here, I was going to be a Philly actor and it's going to be great. And then I found out that Philly actors do all the understudies for free and don't get paid. But, you know, at this point I was determined. <laughs> And I'm like, it's going to happen for me. It's going to be different. So I did this cabaret show with him. And I started taking voice lessons with him. His name was Ricardo Martin. He was an amazing man. He passed away of um, cancer not long after, which was just terribly sad. But he was very encouraging of me. And so he said, I want you to come and do the singer's lounge at the Mellon Jazz Festival. And I was like, cool. So I had done this cabaret show called, um, what was it? I can't think of it right now. It was about being a new mother. And, and like it was rubber ducky as a torch song and it was really ridiculous. So I brought all these songs thinking I'll just do my cabaret set and he, he, and I realized it's like a serious, serious jazz event. And these singers are these like kick ass African-American jazz singers, just amazing vocalists. And I'm like this lady in a purple wig and a purple dress singing rubber ducky as a torch song. It was terrible, but you know, the, the good part of that is it's a funny story. (laughs) And I survived it.
1: Let's go here. So you started talking about crafts, and that is what you are known for to many. Um, and how did that start? How did how did you plunge into the craft world?
0: So I've always been crafty and creative, and you know I, I, that's just part of who I am. My husband and I, when we first got married, we opened a fair trade gallery. We moved from Pittsburgh, and we had a baby, and we opened this fair trade craft gallery, and we sold of just amazing, like not airport art, like the really cool, really gritty, really great handcrafted pieces from all over the world. And we also, half of the store was jewelry making supplies. And I started to make jewelry with the supplies to try to sell. First of all, sell the finished jewelry, but also to show people how to use the supplies. So I was doing these crazy uh, exposed wire designs where I took this colorful beading wire and instead of hiding it under the beads, I would weave it and do like tension like I'd, I'd want it to be able to showcase the wire and have the beads sort of float on the wire so I figured out if you wove the wire and suspended it in the beads on it and then put it through the beads and create tension you could create these three-dimensional cool designs and the manufacturer of that wire the woman who did all their marketing lived across the street from our store and she started buying my pieces out of the window and she said hey could you write up some tutorials and I was like well yeah sure I'm a writer I, I didn't know what it was but I did it." Five years later, we closed the store, and my husband went to work for that manufacturer in sales, and they were looking for some wire designs, and I had been doing stuff with soft wire and also with hard wire, like making these three-dimensional bugs, and anyway, they asked me to make some pieces for their catalog. I did, because I'd already done some work for them, and they were, they just went nuts, and this new career just kind of showed up, and I just followed it. I was like, I'm gonna write a book. I'm gonna call it the Impatient Beater. And it's gonna show people who are impatient how to make jewelry using my impatient approach. And uh, I sold the book in a week to the publisher that I thought would be the best fit for my aesthetic. And it became a bestseller. And then I sold two more books to them and they were in the middle of every beating aisle and every Michaels in the country. And then I, from there, everything just kind of evolved. So it was just this, I call it my accidental career. And I have regrets. Everyone who's lived a great life has some regrets, but I, I don't want to go back because I'm where I am right now. And I, and all the things that happened to me have happened because of the things that happened before and the choices I made and the directions I took. And that's what makes it an adventure. And yeah, there's going to be crappy days. There's going to be crappy years. I've had a tough nine years, but in, even in those tough days and years and months, there's always good stuff. I mean, there's a, friend of mine always quotes that, I don't know who this quote is from and I should, but I don't, every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. Nice. I love that because it's true. Just keep reaching for the good stuff and then keep reaching for things that keep you engaged and make you happy and make you excited, make you get up in the morning and go, oh wow, I can't wait to do that. And yeah, nobody else may give a crap. And if you're putting yourself out there, You know, you may put yourself out there and it may not go well, but then you just keep putting yourself out there. I mean, I've done so many things and failed spectacularly and, and then I just am doing something new and everyone's like, I'm sure thinking, my friends are thinking, what the hell is she doing now? But what does it matter? I did the lady party. I love that. I'm going to get back to that. That's like a kind of video podcast. That was exciting. What's next? I'm just always wanting to keep evolving.
1: Yes, and I think that is the definition of creativity. I think that's the definition of an artist because I think artists always evolve. So speaking of that, I I always end with these three questions. Here we go. Question number one, you can answer these any way you want. Here's the first question. Who inspires you?
0: Mm. My mother, she's a fine artist and a graphic artist and just a kick-ass warrior woman, inspires me. Um, Gosh, there's just so many people. There Are so many people that inspire me, the list is so long. I mean, some of my favorite writers I love, uh, I love Eugene Carroll, she's a wonderful woman and an inspiring woman. Uh, I love uh, Erica Zhang, she's one of my favorite poets, um, actors obviously Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball. And, I mean, there's just so many people I could, I know, it could go on and on. People that inspire me are people who take risks and live large and aren't afraid. In those people, those fearless, kind of crazy, kind of wonderful, creative people. Bette Mittler, there's a, another one. They're You're inspiring to me. I, I love that you just keep doing all this great stuff and you just keep, yeah, how's that? That's my That's answer.
1: Fantastic. I made the list. That's all that matters. You did um, make the
0: list. <laughs>
1: okay. Again, you can answer this any way you want. Tell me something good.
0: Uh, well, we are going through some really rough times in the world. This is like the giant dumpster fire. And it can feel really heavy. And I can't really leave my house. And I know a lot of people maybe listening are in the same boat because maybe they have immune disorders or family members or, you know, it's tough. But here's the good part. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to reset, to, to evaluate, to explore new things, to take the time that you might have spent running around, going out and buying stuff or to I take a class. I join master class. I'm learning so much on master class. I can't even, it's incredible. So take this opportunity to make new choices. And that's something good, even in the something bad.
1: Where can people find you online?
0: margapotter.com, www.margapotter.com. And I'm just launching a new site called cupcakescocktailscrafts.com. And it's going to have all of my DIY content. There's going to be recipes and kooky cocktails and uh, all the things that were sitting in folders on my desktop that I'm going to re-release to the world and then I'll be making new content there. And also on my Facebook page, Margot Potter, where they can find The Lady Party, which is a series of interviews with creative people who are taking the road less traveled.
1: Thank you, Margot, for sharing your creative goodness with me and with everyone, to quote from your book, 50 and Other F-Words, you choose whether losing everything is the end of your story or the start of a new chapter. I don't know about you guys, gals, all who are listening, but I choose the new chapter. Next time on World Gone Good.
0: I think laughing at the same time, at the same things.
1: I think that's the true nature of friendship is you'd be willing to throw yourself in front of a bullet for another person. I feel exactly the same way. It's really love and it really will never change. I think that's what's in a lot of people's heads. They don't want to know about the dark times because then, and I always go back to maybe giving people too much credit, but I don't know that it's because they're selfish as much as they just don't know how to do it and it scares the heck out of them. What's good about friendship? Join me and two of my closest and longest friends, Denise Alexander and Ray Prussia, as we talk about friendship, the perfect blendship. Until then, be good.